0: I'm going to go to perhaps the most obvious city nickname
1: in the world. Goth Home, Goat Home, Home of Goats. The windiest city in the U.S. is... Creating negative pressure frogs. The headquarters of the age of blank was in Paris.
0: That is, that's very good, that's very good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of Smart Dribble. Kurt would normally be talking, but unfortunately, he just bashed his teeth into the microphone.
1: I think I have blood coming out of my gums.
0: It was like you were trying to crawl into the ears of our listeners, which is very creepy. I'm John Ellenthal, your co-host of Smart Dribble. And who are you? Well,
1: I'm Kurt Schneider, your other co-host. And Kurt, what are we going to discuss today? Today, John... Like we've done recently, which I really enjoy this, we take seeds from previous casts that are pod or episodes, and we plant them in the metaphoric garden of life, and they spring anew with an episode topic. So today, we take the seed of a previous episode when we talked about Chicago being the windy city, and we're going to talk about some cities throughout the world that have nicknames, and from, not from whence, and whence they got these nicknames.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that we cultivate previous episodes for future episode topics. It's almost like it's biblical. One episode begets another episode. Reap what you sow, baby. Would you like to jump in, Kurt? Dublin, Ireland. Dublin. Did you it's read The Dubliners by James Joyce? It's Yes, I did. I, here's where you and I are different. I was assigned the Dubliners by James Joyce, but made no attempt to read it.
1: I think I was too, and I'm not sure I read it. All right. I did read Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. Okay. Dublin. You said Dublin. Its nickname is the Fair City.
0: Oh, very nice. And you fair can mean a lot of things. What does it mean here?
1: Well, they're not sort of equanimical in their approach to life. So it's not fair that way. I think it means like a nice city, a nice to look at. But it comes, John, solely from a song. Oh, cool. The song is Molly Molly Malone. And that's where it gets its nickname. You know the song.
0: I do know the song.
1: We're going to sing it. You ready? In Dublin's fair city, where the girls are so pretty, I first set me eyes on sweet Molly Molly Malone. Malone. And she wheeled her wheelbarrow through streets broad and narrow, crying cockles and muscles alive, alive-o. alive, alive-o. Oh, alive, 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 oh Everybody cockles. sing along. Alive, alive, oh, I could keep going. So what's the song?
0: You take the high road, I'll take the low road, and I'll be in Dublin before you. If it's you different. know what that song is about? Going to Dublin, I bet.
1: So... That's how Dublin got the nickname the Fair City. And I think it is a fair city. It's beautiful. It's nice. It's wonderful. It fits. Excellent. Well, I like that it was inspired
0: by a song. It's a great song, Molly Malone. I've not been to Dublin. I've been elsewhere in Ireland, but not to Dublin. I've been to County Cork and Dingle, the Dingle Peninsula.
1: You went on your honeymoon. You told us that you had your Guinness and you weren't sure about it and you loved it.
0: But I remember driving around the Dingle Peninsula and. I was trying to keep the car on the road because, of course, they drive on the other side of the street. And some of the seascapes are quite dramatic. And you want to pay careful attention because sometimes there'll be like a sheep in the road. And my wife said, hey, that's where the Spanish Armada went down. And I just took her word for it. 1588. Exactly. 1588.
1: Spain was top of the world then, and then they weren't. Wasn't that that famous admiral? Lord Nelson, yes.
0: Who is famous for some expression where he didn't look, he only looked with one eye.
1: Yeah. So he turned a blind eye.
0: All of our episodes actually fit together into one beautiful tapestry.
1: Yes. Like the Bayou Tapestry, by the way, I saw a documentary last night on William the Conqueror. It was not a good documentary, but it did his conquering in the Battle of Hastings, 1066, did beget. The Bayou Tapestry, which is one of the most beautiful pieces of art and history we have. Was William the
0: Conqueror related to William of Orange?
1: Not even close. Do you know that the founder of the state of Connecticut, his last name was Hooker, he came from Massachusetts.
0: T.J. Hooker.
1: It was not T.J. Hooker, and he wanted to be so open to everyone and freedom, and he, therefore he started the first constitution, which is why Connecticut is called- the
0: constitution a state.
1: And one of his direct descendants-
0: T.J. Hooker.
1: J.P. Morgan. And I think, therefore, he was sort of starting the whole Greenwich hedge fund thing a few hundred years ago. Yes, early.
0: that's exactly what he was anticipating. Exactly. So I'm going to go to perhaps the most obvious city nickname- in the world. But I'm going to tell you something about it that I think you're going to be glad to know. Denver, Colorado is, of course, known as the mile high city.
1: Hey, okay, we can move on because we understand why. Well,
0: in this case, it is a literal <laughs> <laughs> statement about the number of feet above sea level that Denver is. And how many, how many feet are in a mile, Kurt? This is a test.
1: 5,800.
0: You got a couple of those numbers right.
1: 5,836.
0: That will be your last guess because you're not getting... 5,860. Okay. I'm going to give you the answer. No problem. You rest, okay? 5,280. Damn! And I wanted to know exactly how many feet above sea level it is. Denver is. Maybe it was like 6,000 or maybe it was like 5,000, but they were like, hey... That's close enough. I was surprised and delighted to learn that the 13th step at the Colorado State Capitol Building is exactly 5,280 feet above sea level. We got some bona fide truth in advertising going there, Kurt. The 13th step, exactly a mile high. How about that?
1: Now, you're a baseball fan.
0: I am a baseball fan.
1: Have you been to Coors Field in Denver?
0: So the short answer is no. And I don't really don't know why, because I've been to many, most of the ballparks. I was at the predecessor home of the Rockies, which was Mile High Stadium, which was built for football. And the first couple of years, they played there. And I did see the Rockies play at Mile High. But I've, no, I've not been to Coors.
1: I bring this up because once you're sitting in Coors, there is a swath of color that goes around the stadium, like about a quarter of the way up, which represents the mile high marker.
0: Ah, very nice. So they take it seriously and they're prepared to put their money where their mouth is and they back it up in Denver. It is indeed a mile high city. We're going to find that other cities have nicknames that don't that are not quite as logical as Denver is. So I say Denver for later comparative purposes. It's a baseline, Kurt. It's a mile high baseline. So, And you mentioned baseball, which is a baseline too. Of course, basketball has a baseline as well, but none of this is germane to the topic.
1: And Ty Cobb was known as the Georgia Peach.
0: Yes, which is ironic because he did not have a peachy disposition.
1: But Georgia is the peach state.
0: I understand. And he was from Georgia, but there was nothing peachy about Ty Cobb's interpersonal skills.
1: But Atlanta's hot Atlanta.
0: Uh, if I lived there or if I just couldn't say that, it's like saying it's like calling San Francisco Frisco. It's yeah. just not right. Or or calling Chicago Shy town I cannot believe that a self-respecting resident of that area would refer to Chicago as Chi-Town. And therefore, I don't think the rest of us should. There you have it.
1: You're a little stronger than I am. You know, I don't have opinions like you do, but that's okay. How about this one, John? New York City.
0: Yes, I've heard of it.
1: I'm not going to talk about the Big Apple. The Big Apple came because some guy who was writing about horse racing was talking about if you win a race, you're going to win the Big Apple. And it just kind of stuck.
0: Can I stop you there for a second? I just want to I just want to recap what I just heard. I'm not going to talk about the Big Apple. Here's where the Big Apple came from. Okay, now back to you, Kurt.
1: Because I had to sort of get that out of the way. Okay, there was no
0: need to say I'm not going to talk about it. You could have just talked about it. I'm talking about Gotham City. Ooh, even better.
1: Basically, it's pretty easy. It comes from Old English. It could be Dutch, too. Gotham. Goat home. Home of goats.
0: I have, yeah, I have never seen a goat in New York City, Kurt. Were you around when it was founded? I was not, but I'm just telling you that we still refer to it as Gotham City. Yet, goatless.
1: Uh, You've not been to the Indian restaurants I've been to. Oh, my. So anyway, goat home, Gotham. Goat home. It's not it's not Batman or something like that.
0: But it sounds like it could just be a guy in a bar with an accent saying go home.
1: You know, there are some other names where they came from um, a bar.
0: You want to tell us now?
1: Well, there was one that I read about at some town in Arkansas, and it's called something like Sucking Toad, and that's the name of the town because all the residents would go to a bar and just get drunk all the time, and they looked like sucking toads at the bar.
0: You know that a lot of cities have have sort of sister cities elsewhere in the world. What do you think the sister city is to Sucking Toads?
1: I would. I know exactly what it is. Creating negative pressure frogs. (laughs)
0: <laughs> God, In what country is that in, Kurt? <laughs> so I mentioned Chicago and the inappropriateness of using monikers like Chi-Town, which must be abhorrent to Chicago city dwellers. Chicago, of course, is known as the Windy City. And it's... Origin story or the origin of its nickname has nothing to do with the straightforwardness of Denver, Colorado. Most people, of course, think that Chicago is named the Windy City because it sits on Lake Michigan and there is a lot of wind. That is not the case. It is the case that there was a common perception in the 18 1900s that the residents and politicians of Chicago were basically windbags. And at one point, like 1890, Chicago and New York were competing to host the World's Fair, I think like three years later. And a columnist for the New York Sun said that no one should listen to the nonsensical claims of that windy city, and therefore, we get Windy City. Now, just like I looked up the elevation above sea level of Denver, I was curious Where does Chicago rank among America's windiest cities? Would you like to give us a guess, Kurt? 37. It is the 12th windiest city. So that by itself disqualifies it from being known as the windy city. The windiest city of them all?
1: 11 above would get pissed off at them. The windiest city of all would be Miami. The windiest city in the U.S. is Boston. You know,
0: Or should I say Beantown?
1: Because that's why they're the windiest city.
0: <laughs> that's very good. Number two is Oklahoma City. Number three is Buffalo.
1: The least windiest city in the U.S.? Phoenix. I've spent years in Phoenix, and there ain't no wind, so I get that. You know, there's the
0: expression for New York, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And my family, years ago, came across this blooper reel of game show bloopers. And I don't know if it was match game or family, but it was one of those popular games. They said to the contestant, name the city. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And this nice little old lady said,
1: Phoenix. <laughs> hey, man, if you can make it in Phoenix, it's rough, especially back then.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're going to kick ass in Tucson if you can make it in Phoenix.
1: Man, oh, man. You know, the good thing Chicago did host that World's Fair, they won it because we got two things out of it, three things. One, we got the first skyscraper in the U.S. Two, we got the Ferris wheel. So in the World's Fair right before the 1891 or 93 fair, it was Paris in 1886. And of course, they had the Eiffel Tower, which is what they did. And so we needed to come up with something like it. And this guy in Pittsburgh, who was an iron and steel dude, made a, his last name was Ferris, and he made the first Ferris wheel, and that was debuted at the World's Fair. I think Ice Cream was also debuted in that World's Fair. And you get the book, Devil in the White City, which is about the first serial killer in America who would lure these women from the Midwest into his hotel. and.
0: You know what? If I were at the top of a Ferris wheel, particularly the first Ferris wheel ever made, I'd be pretty happy that Chicago is not really a windy city.
1: Yeah, Good point. You mentioned Paris. Do you know more about Paris, Kurt? So Paris, of course, is the city of lights. Yes. And we've always known that. And really, there's two reasons. Reason number one gets to your mile high thing. They were an early adopter of gas lighting. And so the city...
0: You mean gas Hauser. lighting, two words, not gas lighting. Exactly. Okay.
1: Not the movie Gaslighting. They, you know, after Haussmann
0: redid the city and laid it out... But you know what they called Haussmann? The Attila of the straight line. Because that's how he laid out Paris with these perfectly straight lines.
1: Why the Attila?
0: Because he just was sort of maniacal about these straight lines,
1: was Attila the hun maniacal?
0: I think he was sort of ogreish, not like Shrek ogreish, less less friendly.
1: Why do they call him the ogre of the straight lines?
0: Attila has a little bit more gravitas, which is your favorite podcast word oh. other than gin.
1: <laughs> so anyway, after Hausman laid out and they had this beautiful new city and they did eminent no- domain, and they took away, wiped out villages, etc., They were an early adopter of gas for lighting. And so the city was very well lit. But there's another reason, John. Reason number two. In the 18th century, the headquarters, the ground zero of the age of blank was in Paris. Please say the age of enlightenment, John.
0: The age of blank. Um, We're going to go. We consulted as a family. We're going to go with enlightenment.
1: Not Phoenix.
0: Not Phoenix, even though one family member wanted to say "sweet tarts."
1: The Age of Enlightenment was headquartered in basically in Paris.
0: Well, that's kind of cool. Paris. I mean, that's a good backstory, Kurt. That's got that's got some real Attila-like oomph to it, don't you think?
1: Yeah. So there you go.
0: I am going to continue two smart drivel traditions with my yes. next entry, Kurt. Excellent. Number one is I'm going to mention something that we mentioned in an episode a long time ago. But since neither you nor I remember what we said about it, there's no reason to believe our listeners would. And number two, I actually forgot what number two is. So number two might be the tradition of forgetting things, as it turns out. (laughs) So I'm going to talk about Philadelphia, both because my wife is a native of Philadelphia, and because... I like things that originated in Greek. I'm sort of a classic civilizations guy. So, and like Denver, there is a pretty darn straightforward explanation. And there's something soothing, I think. There's something right about it for me when there's like a good reason and the reason makes sense. So, Philadelphia, the name Philadelphia which we should mention the nickname, of course, is it is the city of brotherly love, which confuses a lot of people because it can get a bit rough in parts of Philadelphia. Philadelphia in Greek literally means brotherly love.
1: Which is why it's not and shouldn't be a nickname. Yeah, it's actually its name. You're right.
0: Subtitle. But I think the translation into English city of brotherly love gives it nickname qualities, but it's Philo Adelphos.
1: Right. Brotherly love. And I love phyllo with spanko patita, spanko, What have What's that great Greek dish? That with like spinach and phyllo dough. And phyllo dough. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Love it. Phyllo love. All right. Well, I'm going to have fun with this and stay in America. And I'm going to stay with P, but we're not going alliteration. So it's not going to be like Phoenix and Philadelphia.
0: You're it's Peoria, P. Illinois
1: which is smack dab in the middle of America. That's why marketers always say, will it play in Peoria? Because you want to know that was like, that used to be like middle America. Would this product, would this act, would this content, would this ad, would this song play in Peoria? Because Peoria was smack dab in the middle. And if it would play there, because we have this coastal sort of ethnocentrism going on.
0: I would proffer that not only was it, it's perfectly central location. But I think the fact that it starts with P allows us to say play in Peoria. And who doesn't love to alliterate on a nice Saturday afternoon?
1: So port- <laughs> a Saturday sunset. So
0: tell us about Portland, Kurt. Well, first tell us which Portland you're talking about. Not
1: Portland, Maine.
0: I love Portland, Maine.
1: Which is a port right on the land. And Portland, Oregon, John. Yes, sir. For you sports fans, we all know it, and now it's taken on the whole city's taking this on. It's called Rip City. And if you watch the Portland Trailblazers, they talk about Rip City and the, they wear jerseys that say Rip City and the court says Rip City. And you go to a game there and you say, Rip City? Why is Portland, Oregon called Rip City? It stems from 1970 there was a commentator for the Portland Trailblazers by the name of Bill Shonley, And there was a big game and the Portland Trailblazers were new and they were trying to do in basketball, they were trying to do, you know, make their way. And Jim Barnett sank a game tying shot and Bill spontaneously yelled, rip city. All right.
0: And it stuck. So that was the early seventies. What year did Bill Walton lead them to the NBA championship.
1: 77.
0: 77. Can I add a bit of a No, I think it was 77. Can I add a bit of a personal note to your discussion of Rip City? Rip away, baby. By the way, there is a beautiful Rose Garden in Portland, Oregon. If you have a chance to visit, I actually saw a concert there. It's a great place for a concert. And when they built their latest arena, they call it the Trailblazers play at the Rose Garden. Yeah. In honor of that. So my sister-in-law Sharon was the vice president of marketing for the Portland Trailblazers at one point, a bunch of years ago, probably 20 some odd years ago. I should also mention, since I mentioned my sister-in-law Sharon, that in our in a recent episode, when we were discussing commonly misunderstood lyrics of popular songs, I believe I misattributed to Sharon thinking that. Jimi Hendrix was saying, excuse me while I kiss this guy, as opposed to kiss the sky in purple haze. The thing that Sharon misunderstood, I was reminded after the episode, was the Rolling Stones, I will never be your beast of burden. She thought they were saying, I will never leave your pizza burning.
1: I think so. Beasts of burden, donkeys.
0: That's what a beast of burden is? Now, what exactly is a mule? Since you seem to so know so much about asses,
1: we've already talked about this. And I'm not going to bring it up.
0: I want to know if you can remember what a mule is.
1: Of course, a mule is the progeny of a horse and a donkey.
0: And the, that's correct. And the typical mule cannot reproduce; they're sterile. Very right. rare that they can reproduce. Okay, we have to wrap up because we've been no, talking. no, 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 no.
1: Really? Yeah. I thought we just got started. Nope. But I'm going to tell you quickly. Rome, the eternal city, this is what you call jinxing yourself. Okay. You know, the Romans, they were pretty cool. By the way, Genghis Khan, in about one and a half years, no, sorry, in 25 years, took more land and controlled more land in the world than the Roman Empire did in 400 years. Just saying. It was pretty efficient in 25 years. Genghis Khan, not Genghis, Gen- Genghis. Anyway, so Rome, this is about jinxing yourself.
0: The namesake of the game Jenga.
1: Yes. So Rome, jinxing itself, they were proud as hell that they were so big and all over the place. And oh, my God, we're the Roman Empire. And a couple of their poets and sort of, you know, thought leaders called it the eternal city, because it would be the city that will go on forever.
0: Yeah, other than the fact that it won't, it's really a beautiful thought, because nothing, of course, goes on forever, except perhaps this podcast, because I'm not going to let it end. Very quickly, did you ever wonder why New Orleans is called the Big Easy? You have wondered or you haven't, Kurt? I kind of know. Okay, well, I'd like to share with our listeners (laughs) that back in the 1960s, there was a gossip columnist who compared the easygoing nature of New Orleans to the hustle and bustle of Gotham City. New York. And obviously the relationship between music, jazz, specifically in New Orleans is indelible and inviolable. And it, the Big Easy refers to the fact that it was really easy for an aspiring musician to make a living in New Orleans.
1: I believe there was a music hall in New Orleans called...
0: In the early 1900s called the Big Easy, but it really wasn't until the 1960s when this column was written that it became, sort of took on, it sort of grew roots
1: Sort of like that critic in L.A. in the late 60s who said Hollywood is the only place where you can die of encouragement.
0: (laughs) That is um, that's very
1: good. That's very good. All All right, right, Kurt. Well, this was fun. Share the podcast with your friends. We need more dribblers out there. So please share the podcast. Kurt
0: and I will be back next week with a brand new episode of Smart Dribble. Until then, we hope your week is filled with smart dribble. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Now.